This is the Feminine Genius Podcast, a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. When she was younger, Chanel Shaw saw something in her peers that piqued her curiosity. After making some poor choices in her past, she made a conscious decision to reform her life and turn to God. This initial yes helped her grow in her relationship with him and give witness to true human fraternity. And now she does this with groups like the Human Condition Community and Before Gethsemane Initiative. In this episode, Chanel shares her story of deepening her faith, being a champion for mental health awareness and racial reconciliation, and why it's so important to have those difficult conversations in order to foster true human fraternity. Hi, Chanel. Hey, how are you? I am well, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Woke up as early as usual, 7.30 a.m. I feel like as a young adult now, my body just scares me awake at that time (laughs) and uh, woke up did some work. And um, now I am so excited to be talking to you. Oh, thank you. And it's so funny, like just how the timing works out, because we had met last week, that was the first time that we both met after kind of swapping messages on Instagram. And I was just so privileged to be with you and be on Ave Spotlight. So I'll be sure to share a link down below. Um, But thanks again for that opportunity. Oh, no, you're so nice. And it's, it's so interesting, like getting to know people online, mm-hmm. um, because it's just, it's like, you don't really know people. And then when you see them, and you see their mannerisms, and like, hear their voices, mm-hmm. it's just so interesting, you know, because so many times we just limit ourselves to like who we are on Instagram. So mm. it is an honor to meet you, sis. <laughs> I'm excited to be on this. I've listened to your episodes as I'm doing my own work oh. um, in my room. And so it's, it's cool to be on this. I feel like this is very full circle for me. So <laughs> thank you. Oh, that's so kind of you. Thanks. For those who maybe haven't met you before, haven't had the opportunity to, I was wondering if you could share a little bit of who you are. Sure. So my name is Chanel. I grew up in Florida. I have two sisters and a brother, older brother. I, let's see, let's look up some fun things. I went to Ave Marie University for college. Mm -hmm. It's like a small college in South Florida. Mm -hmm. I reverted to my faith when I was a Um, junior in high school after being kicked out of high school um, for not making awesome choices. I was a theology teacher, a youth director, and a coordinator at a old person's home. And now I live in Florida with my parents again. So everything is full circle. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm living the COVID love story of living at home with my mother. And yeah, I'm, I love hanging out with my friends in a non-COVID time. I love hanging out. I love cooking. I love watching The Bachelorette. I love to pray. Um, I love to read books on self-improvement and um, how we can better our faith life. I am a board member for The Human Condition, which is this organization that strives to bridge the gap between our faith um, and mental health Mm -hmm. when those conversations, mental health and mental illness. Um, And I am also founding a nonprofit 
called the Before Gethsemane Initiative, and it's all about fighting racism mm-hmm. and xenophobia and educating people in the church um, and in our parishes and in our schools. And so that's really exciting too. I'm excited to start that and get that going. And yeah, and then otherwise, I just kind of really sit in my room. So um, <laughs> and do work at my desk as you know, we're all isolated here. And so did I say enough fun things? I'm also a second degree black belt, which is pretty cool. Isn't that cool? It is cool. I mean, I don't seem like I could kick your butt, but <laughs> I could if I like manifested enough strength, I have personal strength, I could. So, um, yeah. but yeah, but is that enough fun stuff? I think so. And I have to say that awesome. is probably the best way to really show off that self-defense skill because it's always the unassuming ones, right? Or the ones where you're just kind of like, you can't pick them out in a crowd, but that's your secret weapon right, right there. That's the sauce. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I am I smile at people and they're like, oh, she's so sweet. But secretly I'm like packing a real punch, Ready. you know? So yeah. So don't no, mess. Exactly. For sure. <laughs> For sure. All right. Well, you've shared so many beautiful things there and you mentioned that you had reverted back to your faith. I, I find that that certainly is the story of my life. So at this mm. point, I, I'd love to you know, give you that opportunity to share with listeners uh, your own faith journey and how it is that God has led you and moved you to be the woman that you are this moment in your life. Mm. Well, I mean, God is so patient and I think big ups to God because he, he is doing it. I am very impatient and he has just held my hand for many mm-hmm. years. So I grew up in like a family that wasn't practicing, um, but my mom and dad sent my sister and I to private Catholic school because they wanted us to have good manners and like be kind people. And so we went to Catholic school from preschool to eighth grade. And then when I got the opportunity to go to high school, the Catholic high school was like insanely expensive where I live in Florida. And so we went to a public high school and I was amped, so excited, you know, all throughout going to private school. I like, didn't really care about my faith at all. Mm -hmm. Didn't take it seriously. It didn't matter to me. And so when I went to high school, I just really wanted to make friends. Mm -hmm. And that meant not doing any of my homework, um, going to tons of parties and just lying to my parents, you know, the typical, I should say atypical, we should expect more from teens. So pretty not awesome behavior. And so Uh, When I was a sophomore in high school, nearing the end of my sophomore year, um, I got kicked out of high school. Mm. My GPA was actually a 0.5, which is essentially like you can't write your name GPA. Mm. But that was really just because I didn't do any of my work and I lied. Mm -hmm. So I got kicked out of high school. I got accepted back into the high school after my mom drove to every school district in Florida to get me back into high school. She's a saint. And then I was grounded, obviously, for 10 years, lost this trust of my parents and everyone around me. But the only thing that my mom would let me go to was youth group. And so at that point, like my parents um, had gotten divorced a couple of years prior and they were completely non-practicing. You know, we live in like a Christian household in the sense that like, if I say God, my parents are like, wow, he's good. Right. And then that's pretty much it. When I got kicked out of high school and, you know, accepted back in, the only thing I was allowed to leave the house for was youth group. And my mom just kind of figured the kids at youth group have to be doing good things. So she's not allowed to do anything else besides homework and go to this thing if she wants to, but I know she doesn't want to, but that's the only option. So after a while of being trapped inside my home as a high schooler, I figured I really want to leave my house and I will take full advantage of any opportunity. So I got invited 
to a retreat at my church, which was actually the church I went to school for, which was like so crazy. And I said yes, because I just wanted to leave the house. And it's the power of an invitation because I said yes. And God was like, all right, I'll take it. Um, and so I went to the retreat and absolutely thought it was so lame. Um, but I realized that these kids had pizza and they seemed like they were having fun at a thing and like none of their parents were mad at them. So I figured why not? And I was really searching for purpose, right. As a young person. And so I just kept going to youth group and it was the only thing my mom let me go to. So I started going to mass too, because I figured if I can leave the house, then like, whatever, this is any opportunity. So I went to youth group. I started going to mass and eventually I kind of thought, you know, if God is who my youth minister Rick says he is and who these kids are like laying down their lives for, and, you know, being like ridiculed at school and, um, you know, and all these other things, like, I guess I should consider that he's actually real and that maybe I should reform parts of my life that I've, you know, like, obviously this way of living wasn't working for me. So lying to my parents and like going to parties and like doing drugs and not doing my homework, that wasn't working, obviously. So let me try the other end. And, and so I um, just kept going to youth group and really dove head first into all things Catholic and um, just gave my life to God and was like, you just got to like make something happen here because I have no idea what is happening. And yeah, and then God was so awesome and brought me to Ave Maria and I decided I wanted to go to a Catholic college. And then I went there for four years where I met some of the best people that was like the second real Catholic community I've ever had in my life besides my high school. After that, I just became a youth minister and then, um, or a theology teacher, then a youth minister, and just had a lot of opportunities to be involved in my faith life, which is awesome. And I just can't imagine my life not being the way that it is now, but it's just so crazy because even I saw my youth minister from middle school and high school um, a couple weeks ago, um, actually at his new job. It's been like 15 years since he's been my youth minister, which is insane. And we were just reminiscing on like how adamant I was about not wanting to be in anything um, and how funny it is now that during the summers I work for a Catholic mission trip camp. And during the year I host a podcast where I talk to Catholic people, <laughs> Catholic things. And, um, and, you know, and it's just so funny how God will like take those opportunities, you know, um, to bring you closer to him. If you just like say yes, he'll take any kind of yes, even if it's just going to an event because there's pizza. So trying my best as a young adult now Mm -hmm. to serve God to the capacity that I can Mm -hmm. and hopefully like doing it well. So Mm. that is so beautiful. And, you know, you mentioned the term a couple of times now, like full circle moments, right? So just Mm. that truly is God, like just being able to see how he's able to like again and again, that that really is our journey. It's constantly cycling upwards, hopefully every time just drawing closer and closer to him. Um, But also Mm. you mentioned just off the beginning there, how you mentioned that God is so patient. And I was curious to know, like even prior to that retreat, the one that you were invited to and, and where you met all of these people for the first time, all these young people at your high school who were taking the time to lay down their lives for Christ. You know, prior to that, what was your view of God? Like, how did you see him? How did you relate to him? 
I like to tell people, and you might think I'm super weird after this, but I always like to pose the question to my friends. Mm -hmm. Like, do you remember the first time or even not the first time, but like times in your life where you've like logged on. So I don't know if there's a better way to say, but like where you've just perceived reality in such like a profound way that you're like, wow, now my life will never be the same from this moment moving forward. Mm-hmm. Or like you have such a core memory that you're like, I will never think differently than this <laughs> moment. And and I just remember so clearly, like I can see my school and my high school and I can like smell the hallways and I feel like I'm there. Mm-hmm. So clearly having a core memory of like talking to this guy mm-hmm. that I used to like, you know, skip school with mm-hmm. and he was, and I, he was telling me like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Mm. And asking me, and I was responding like, oh, well, you know, I got invited to this retreat, but like, I don't know. I just like, I don't know. And he was like a church retreat. And Mm. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, I didn't see you as that kind of person. I was like, oh, I'm definitely not. Like, I definitely don't think God is real. I think everyone just kind of has their perceptions of God and like uses God as a comfort for their own unhealed traumas. Like I was very like woke teenager. So (laughs) I was very much like, God's not real. And this whole thing isn't real, but like everyone uses him to feel good, Mm. um, which is fine and okay. And everyone thinks if you don't have this like fantastic experience that you haven't really experienced God. And I was like, and if God is real, Mm then he has to be just like in our daily lives. He can't just be like at these powerful things mm-hmm. all the time. Um, so I was very much on the like, God's not real whole, you know, whole thing. And I just remember talking to Thomas, that guy, and, you know, so clearly saying that God cannot work in me because I don't want him to. Mm. And so clearly being like, I want nothing to do with this actual retreat mm-hmm. as much as I really just want to leave this house. Mm-hmm. And so I just really think often about when I say like, God is so patient and he really brought me around mm. because I really gave God the smallest yes mm-hmm. of just attending something because I wanted something else. And then God was like, okay, I'm going to make this work. Um, as long as you're here and like, this is happening, I'm going to make this work. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, but prior to that retreat and encountering those people, it had really, they had really, um, the girl that invited me now I'm, I'm like the godmother to her first child, which is so Aww. crazy. Yeah. And it's so crazy because she invited me only because we had gone on a church field trip in fourth grade Mm. prior to that 10th grade invitation. And so she knew me because whatever, like I was mutual friends with some people that she used to be friends with. So it was a very like small, 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 tiny, tiny world. And I'm so grateful for Beth every day for taking that chance on a girl that was very anti-God mm. <laughs> at the time. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the image that comes to mind just as you're sharing that and, and even in hearing your story there is really, it's that smallest yes that you were mentioning. Just even how when we open the door just slightly, God is like, okay, you know, that is, this is the moment, this is my time and I will, mm. I will flood my light and love into you even with that smallest yes and just the Mm. fact that and maybe for women we can relate a little more about how god is a gentleman so he'll never come in unannounced or force his way through the door even though he technically could because he's god but he won't because he wants us to choose him and just to hear about how saying yes to an invitation and even for your friend beth how that too 
needed to be a yes. And and just like that cascading of yeses. Uh, it's mm. just, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy for a high schooler that really thought that absolutely not. Because mm-hmm. um, my dream was, and with one of my closest friends at the time, Jessica, our dream was to go to um, UCF or UF. It's like big universities in Florida. Mm-hmm. Join sororities together right. and like, get coffee every day and sororities are like fine whatever you know for people that are in those but party every day Mm -hmm. kind of live a life of like whatever purpose we wanted it to be and then we went to different high schools and I went to this particular high school with this particular person who asked me if I want to go on this retreat and Jessica like was so shocked that I even went and it is crazy to think about how life moves in those ways you know and now out of the people in my youth group there are not a lot of us Mm -hmm. that are still practicing so God you know really operated for sure for sure and you talk about purpose in life and you know you mentioned that earlier about how a lot of young people and I would even like for myself now like still kind of constantly seeking for purpose and perhaps it's something that we do for the rest of our lives but you mentioned two things uh, when you were introducing yourself perhaps like we can dive into those because I feel like you know when I think about you and some of the work that you're doing it really or it must like operate out of a a personal place but also just purpose-driven and hoping to serve other people in the church and in those respective communities. So you mentioned that you're a board member for Human Condition Community and I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit more you know maybe for those who are unfamiliar with the group what they do but perhaps like your your personal tie to that. Yeah sure so I used to live in Philadelphia prior to living in Florida and uh, one of my friends that I made there started this organization called the human condition community. And so it's all about our human condition and that we are okay when we have things like mental illness Mm -hmm. and we're okay when we have those struggles, because it's a part of our conditions as human beings, those things should be regarded in the church as not something that brings us shame Mm -hmm. and that we should be able to have conversations. And so at the time I myself was very much like struggling with a lot of different mental health things, um, with my own like depression and anxiety that I felt and I was seeing a therapist for a couple of years at that point. And so just sharing like a little tidbits about my personal journey, seeing a therapist and like navigating my own issues. Yeah. And so then I was just approached by my friend and, and I'm really honored to be just like a part of it and, um, and to be able to help in any way I can. And so the whole point of the organization is, to have conversations about our mental health and our faith together and to provide hopefully end goal um, or, you know, all the while goal is to provide therapy to people that um, would like access to therapy. So we'd like to have a fund where we can provide that for people um, free of charge. We also have a directory on our website with like Catholic therapists and other therapists um, that you can trust, like um, backed by the diocese um, in different states. And so we're just really trying to make an effort to make mental health and mental illness and those kind of conversations something that's not strange to talk about mm-hmm. in our parishes and our youth groups and our young adult groups and whatever. And at the time that I was asked to be a part of it, mm-hmm. it was in the throes of 2020, which if you would have told me that 2020 was even existed, I would have said probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I think I completely disassociated from that year, but 
it was like in the throes of 2020 and I was really trying to navigate my own mental health as like a black woman that's in the church and what that looked like. And I just really was battling a lot of negative feelings regarding the church and her response, Mm -hmm. her people's response to a lot of issues that people were struggling with. And so from there, it just really worked itself together to where the human condition met me in my mental health need. Mm-hmm. And I was also able to express a lot of my own, you know, feelings about my experiences of racism and how the church can kind of heal in that way as well. And so mm-hmm. it's really awesome how both of those things came together for sure. And, and I'm glad that you you created that bridge because I think that in terms of understanding all of these different facets of our, you know, human condition truly, and just how that has maybe like fueled as a catalyst for like this this other work that you're doing with before uh, Gethsemane. I just find it to be so incredible about how like you're able to take a lot of the the different struggles like emotional, physical, spiritual really and, and really transform it into something good and something that is going outside of yourself, if that makes sense. Because I, I know mm. that like when I when I was going through 2020, I think the natural reaction for me was just to like shut down and be like, none of this exists. None of this is oh, happening. Girl. Right? Oh, yes. Yeah. I definitely had yeah. days, months, weeks where I was just like, you know what? I'm out of here, man. Mm-hmm. Like I need to just like log off. I am logged off of social media, which at the time, Mm -hmm. you know, when we were like in hyper lockdown, social media was like our only outlet. Mm -hmm. So logging off was literally logging off of my lifeline of anybody that I could talk to. So it was, Mm -hmm. you know, easier said than done, but there were definitely times where I was like, I'm out of here. I can't talk about this anymore. Mm -hmm. I can't exist in this reality anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to immerse myself in any other content, in any other thing, or talk about any other thing. Mm -hmm. And there have definitely been days and like times where I've said to myself, you know, this work of anti-racism work, especially in the church, is just not worth fighting because it just seems like it's people are just so comfortable, Mm. like there's no point. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are definitely days where I still kind of get myself into that thought. But then I remind myself that like God is beyond our comfort, you know, Mm -hmm. and he is willing to operate in people just the same way he operated in me when I was in high school. And I like, didn't want anything to do with them. I know that he'll operate with people that are like, I want absolutely nothing to do with this conversation because I'm confused Mm -hmm. or because I don't agree with this political thing, even though it's not a political thing. And it's just, you know, so I definitely wouldn't want anyone to think that I'm just like, wow, I felt so angry. And then Mm -hmm. as a black woman, I stood up and I said, I'm going to start this thing Mm -hmm. and I'm going to write. And I'm no, it was definitely like more of a healing thing Mm -hmm. for me where I was just like, I'm going to write and express my thoughts. And if somebody feels like they resonate with Mm -hmm. that on social media, then that's cool because that is our community Mm -hmm. at that time. By the grace of God, a lot of people resonated with things that I've shared, which is great, completely like unintended on my end because I don't, I wasn't intending to be like any kind of presence. Um, because like I was saying in my intro, I like, I really just watch TV and I hang out with my mom and I, <laughs> and I like try to figure out different ways to style my hair every day, even though I'm not going anywhere. So I like really am not a super interesting person. Mm. And so, so yeah, so it's just, it's been a blessing to be able to unpack 
especially my experiences of racism and Mm -hmm. how I think the church can be better. And it's been a blessing to be able to put that into an organization that will exist to hopefully educate people to not be that way Mm -hmm. anymore, especially people in the church, because I think that we all have hope for the church. I think that is just kind of a lot of what I guess in my work, I'm trying to have more conversations about how we can be better um, about, you know, not perceiving people in the ways that we might have learned to, you know, Mm -hmm. and so hopefully that bears some fruit. I think it will. Absolutely. And, you know, just hearing you talk about it and, and also I know that listeners can't see our faces, but you know, believe me when I say listeners, like the the zeal that is in your eyes, like the passion, it's coming through. Ah, and thank you. Yeah. And, and it makes me excited because you're right. Like, I think we all have hope for the church. We all have hope for a church that is founded on Jesus Christ. And so many times because a church founded on Jesus Christ, but run here on earth by flawed, sinful human beings, I think so many times there are instances where we can feel so hopeless and being like, okay, what is the point? We might as well just, you know, forget the church, throw out the institution. But we also know that being the body of Christ, we need to pull together, you know, all races, uh, you know, all expressions of like our femininity, masculinity, even those like who are really struggling with like mental illness and mental health, all of these things make up our own being. And from there, it makes up this beautiful body of Christ though many times it may seem like it's not beautiful because humans are messy. We are flawed mm. and we have a lot of issues going on. So I just like, I, I, I'm kind of like rambling at this point, but also oh, no. <laughs> it just, it makes You're me totally so excited. Not, no. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no. And thank you for being excited. I think I write for the popes and this is not like a plug for myself, but if anyone happens to read this, let me know what you think. But I write for the Pope's worldwide prayer network. So it's like this organization that writes um, reflections on the Pope's intentions for every month Mm. of the year, which is cool. And so the month that I wrote for was on true human fraternity. So that just made me think of like what you were saying. And I think a lot of people are hoping for true human fraternity, right? Mm -hmm. And like Pope Francis is asking us to practice that in a real way. And that means like regarding people that are persecuted, whether it's for their religion, their race, and kind of abolishing the idea that there's this this standard in the church for existence Mm -hmm. and that we don't have to be a certain way to be someone that can be in our parish, right? Or in our youth group. Mm -hmm. And that God, of course, as God asks us to practice honesty and truthfulness, you know, and our lives in the way that like aligns with what he's designed. Mm -hmm. I think it's also important for us to not get too lost in the sauce of like political leanings or like thinking that we're being ahead of it by either over-involving ourselves in those things or undervolving ourselves so much that's not even a word to the point where we don't even you know have a concern and mm. i think that's what happened a lot in 2020 um there wasn't a lot of fraternity there wasn't a lot of brotherhood and sisterhood it was really just like an other situation right. and i think there was such a disruption in the church because a lot of people were seeing it 
And there was like nowhere to go mm-hmm. because the only place that you could go was like Instagram. Yep. And then the only thing that you saw on it was that disruption. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping from that disruption, I know that just even going into this year, we have more things that are happening and we're obviously like still in this pandemic. And so I just am hoping from that disruption that we really shook people up mm. to not only be disturbed, but to, to want to move forward with conversations and actual resolves for things that just aren't great. <laughs> um, and, you know, ways that our parish communities and our different groups that we have and whether our individual selves, we can like confront our own biases and confront the way that we exist in a world and in a country that is full of like, you know, so many different types of experiences and cultures and people and such like that. So, so that is my big H hope um, that we can get there. And I'm hoping that through sharing like some of those experiences with people, they'll be able to resonate a little bit or have a little tug in their heart to just think, oh, you know, maybe I should Mm -hmm. be different Mm -hmm. (laughs) in this way, you know? Um, And so, so hopefully that happens, but anyway. And I know we've been hopping around it, but perhaps like this is the, the great point to dive in before Gethsemane. First off, what a cool name. I'm curious to hear like where that name comes from and perhaps like how it ties into, you know, just everything that you shared around, yeah, human fraternity and just having concern for people because so Mm -hmm. many times, you know, we can be like the image that's coming to mind is like the, the priest and and the two, the two folks that walk past the, the person lying on the side of the road. Right. And it's not Mm. until the Samaritan that comes by to help this person, even though like, you know, they're not of the same culture, usually they don't interact with one another. The gospel makes that quite clear. And yet just how that Samaritan had shown concern for, you know, his, his brother, you know, his brother in Christ that way. Mm-hmm. But in any case, I'd love to hear a little bit more about before, before Gethsemane. Yeah. So, um, so thank you so much for asking. I am the co-director. So the other, um, my other co-director is, her name's Maria Benish. She's awesome. And we are starting this nonprofit, which, so I talked a little bit about our hopes earlier, but about the name before Gethsemane, we're referring to in John 17, where before Jesus goes to the garden of Gethsemane and he prays a prayer for unity and that all may be one Mm. um, before he like offers up his life for us. And so our hope is that we can really respond to Christ's prayer for unity and that we could bring us together in our parishes and in our schools. And we can broaden those conversations, right, of cultural expression and context. And so as a church, we can really magnify our universal nature in like a real tangible way. And so it's based on John 17. And um, we're, we were so excited about the name as well. So it was nice to have someone <laughs> to be excited about. Um, the only person that I really talked to about it is with my co-director and our and our board, our small board. Um, and so we're just really excited to, you know, to get something going soon and to be able to provide that. I think, um, especially in 2020, 2021, I know myself, there weren't a lot of resources um, in regards to racial reconciliation, which is our main goal. Um, there weren't a lot of resources Catholic wise. And so a lot of people like ran into a lot of issues, not want to be involved in different groups because of their other affiliations. And so 
our organization is going to be like authentically Catholic. And we are basing ourselves foundationally on the church and her teachings, which I think is really cool and something that we don't really see a lot. I know that there's other organizations that birthed from the pandemic, like Catholics United for Black Lives, which is awesome. And another organization, you know, fighting the same fight in the church and kind of spreading awareness. And I know there's also um, Black Saints Matter, which is this awesome thing, this graphic novel, and it's a bunch of Black saints and Mm -hmm. um, kind of their descriptions. And I know there's also Saints Around the World, um, which is this book that came out that talks all about saints of different cultures and the different contributions they had to the church. So there's tons of stuff happening there. Mm And I'm hoping that before Gethsemane can fill a gap that exists in the church where people don't feel like there's enough resources because there are so many pro-life groups Mm -hmm. and there are so many chastity groups. And I think, why can't there be so many anti-racism, racial reconciliation groups? And I kind of think about it as like, as much as we acknowledge in the church, there's also so many like pornography, anti-pornography things. Right. And we acknowledge that as a problem. And we're like, man, this is a problem that needs to be rooted out. Like it's evil. Mm -hmm. Right. And men and women are struggling with pornography and addiction and et cetera. And so we need to root it out. We need to start small groups. We need to invite people to talk, et cetera. So we recognize that sin and we see it and we say that's evil and we root it out. And with racism, we have gotten so swirled up in feeling like there's a political agenda behind something that has existed for so long, you know, that was obviously based in, um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of political ties to its origin, but I think for it just existing, we have a responsibility period, regardless of political backings. And so I think that it's just so important for us to recognize the sin of racism Mm as much as we recognize the sin of pornography, as much as we recognize um, other sins of like, you know, um, not practicing our faith in ways that we could. And we recognize ways that we could reform ourselves. And there's conferences and there's Mm -hmm. talks on different self-improvements and different prayer techniques. And, And I think that it can be integrated in just how we live as Catholics. It doesn't need to be this extraordinary thing where it's like, it's, I mean, it should just be a part of normal culture in just this kind of conversation of like, we're fighting for racial reconciliation. Okay. That's great. Like, awesome. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's have a booth right next to the pro-life people. Let's have a booth between the pro-life people and the chastity group, because we are all trying to eradicate a sin and replace it with a virtue. So like, let's all be on the same page. I think from there, like, we're just trying to help people recognize that it's not this like thing that's going to come in the church storm in with like, you know, insane agendas and we're going to rip down statues like, (laughs) you know, and insanity, but it's really just, this is our culture of life that we should be living Mm. as a people. Um, And so for me, for us to have a consistent life ethic living in that culture of life, it should regard itself in every aspect of every person's life, even if that makes you feel uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why even organizations like the Eden Invitation exists that, you know, specifically speaks to um, LGBTQA, like 
people that exist in the church. And so there's different organizations and things that exist that want to touch on things that we might not feel so comfortable with, but we need to have conversations about. And I do think, especially in 2020, as we've, as we saw like that disruption and that rise and like, Ooh, what's happening here. This is really uncomfy, (laughs) you know, and this is really not cute. Like, I don't love this with racism. I do think that we also are seeing disruptions in other things that we don't talk about. Now we're seeing a lot of disruptions in people saying, Hey, I go to mass every day and I'm severely depressed Mm -hmm. or I am really struggling with, you know, suicidal ideations and my body dysmorphia. And I am, I don't want to get married. I want to be single for the rest of my life. Or I just like really don't like this particular kind of mass. Like there's so many conversations where people are like, wow, this isn't normal culture. And it makes me feel uncomfortable. And I don't really want to talk about it, but I know that people are. So like, let me enter into that. So I'm hoping that we will kind of fill the gap there and become a part of normal Catholic culture. And this will one day be something where people are just like, this is a great thing that is happening in the same way that students for life has great things that are happening, et cetera. So we can just kind of exist in the same thing. So. Mm. Thank you so much. Yeah. Just everything that you mentioned there. I sincerely hope that a lot of folks will really take that to heart just because, you know, this episode will come out, uh, you know, still in the thick of the pandemic in 2021, but it truly is a timeless issue, which I think on the one hand is unfortunate to say that, you know, racism will kind of just exist because my hope, mm-hmm. kind of like a grand sweeping hope is, is truly to be able to live in a world where, like you mentioned, I'm not instantly perceived or judged just on the basis of what I look like or, or how I present. Um, But on the flip side, I think just to recognize that there is still so much more work to be done and it is going to make us uncomfortable um, just because, again, we're human and and we're flawed and and we're sinful in nature, but we don't have to go about it alone. And the fact that there are so many groups out there like yourself uh, who are really leading the charge and integrating into different communities so that we can have those spaces to talk about it. And again, like it really ties into the whole diversity aspect where it's not just one group or one person having to shoulder the burden of solving racial reconciliation in the church, for example. This is why there are so many groups that exist and this is why like the space continues to grow and we have parallel people, parallel groups serving in it. Mm. It really is like it's a team effort. It takes the whole body of Christ and my prayer for those listening to this episode today, regardless of when they come in contact with it, is just to remember that a lot of these conversations will not just simply go away by digging our heads into the sand. It really does take work. Mm, um, you know, God's work mm. takes work. It takes hard work. You know, it takes hard work to be a Catholic, to carry ourselves through this world, to carry different crosses and burdens, but to recognize that we don't do that alone. So I'm just... Mm so so grateful that you're bringing this up like it touches a fire in my heart that I didn't even realize was was still lit and perhaps like that is a good thing that you've reignited that in me so thank you oh well amen god is like the holy spirit is working dude like there's so many days where I'm like oof god I don't know if I can keep doing this anymore and then something will happen or I'll have a conversation and you just 
you know, just like with you, with this podcast, I'm sure, you know, you, someone will talk to you and maybe there might be days and I don't want to speak too much life into it. Cause I don't know, but there might be days where you're like, Oh, I'm kind of tired. Like, I don't know if I want to keep doing this for everyone to take like a pause or something, you know, and then someone talks to you or you read something or you see something mm-hmm. and you're like, man, and God just inflames in you, like the purpose mm-hmm. that you have. And I think that that's really a, a call of the Holy spirit to each one of us mm-hmm. to respond to that purpose that we have. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that might be a purpose of like, I'm angry about this. So then what does that anger mean? Like, what does that do then? Right. And in the same way that like, Jesus was angry that people were selling in his father's house and he flips and tables and he was angry and he was like, we're not going to do this anymore. You know? And it's like, we need the disruption in ourselves sometimes. And that disruption can look like something like just a little flame and a little light of like, I'm just kind of upset. Mm -hmm. And then just what we do afterwards is what matters, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think for each one of us, we have such a role, especially as women to fulfill this, space, right. Where we see like a lot of even the ministries Mm -hmm. that I was talking about before, sometimes they're kind of isolated Mm -hmm. with different sexes. Right. So like chastity ministries are isolated by women. We like rock that ministry. And then there's like two dudes, you know, that are in it. (laughs) There's two dudes and they're married to the people that like rock the ministries (laughs) and they just like dominate that whole culture. And then pro-life ministries, women, like we are it, you know, Mm -hmm. like we are it in those ministries and we're there. And, you know, and then we have other ministries like anti-pornography ministries and it's all men, Mm -hmm. even though statistically women also suffer with addictions to pornography as well. Right. right? Um, But we don't talk about that in the church as often as we could. And we'll go to conferences and all the talks for women will be on our aesthetic and like how to guard our own hearts from being hurt by boys. And all the boy talks will be like, so we know that you're addicted to porn. So here's how we're going to help you. But meanwhile, women are like, wait a minute, (laughs) I'm struggling with these, you know? So it's, I think it's this cool thing that as women and like with my co-director Maria, Mm -hmm. like we can kind of enter into spaces where people don't think we have much of a purpose in those spaces. Mm -hmm. Right. So like if I'm talking about something like racial reconciliation and xenophobia in the church and policy and how we can practice as Catholics and how we can enter into politics Mm -hmm. when it's necessary and how we can, you know, regard ourselves when it comes to like conversations with folks in our family that might think very differently from us or friends or parishes or whatever. Those conversations might seem more charged than our run-in-the-mill conversations that are also important that women kind of dominate those spaces as well. But I think it's just important that we spread ourselves out Mm -hmm. as much as we can because the spark, like you were saying, like the fire that you felt, like the spark that women have to enter into spaces and dominate it, like I see it. I know it's there. And so I know myself and Marie are just excited to enter into this space and dominate it and work with other organizations that exist as well. Like Catholic Unites for Black Lives is led by Didi, mm-hmm. who's awesome Black woman. Um, and so there's so many things happening here where I'm like, man, we have such an opportunity to speak to people yeah. and to use 
our nature, which is sometimes regarded as like fragile and meek, Mm -hmm. but to use our nature as something that's like powerful and something that we can speak to these experiences in a way that maybe men wouldn't be able to do on their own. Maybe we can accompany them. Maybe we can do it by ourselves, Mm. whatever. Um, And so just, just really hopeful for that and excited for that. And I think there's been a lot of waiting on our end as women to kind of see how the bishops respond and the priests respond and our deacons respond. And then we just kind of wait and exist. And as much as I do believe as well, we should have respect for our clergy and the challenges that they have. I also think it's important that when we are met with a nudging of the Holy Spirit, we respond to that, whether that's like encouraging our clergy members to be a little bit more outspoken about whatever, Mm -hmm. or, you know, seeking answers with the help of the Holy Spirit and readings and spiritual direction and whatever, and therapy, whatever on our own. So then we can kind of start the fire. So I'm just hopeful for that. And like, women all over. I've seen so many women do so many awesome things, especially in the past year. And I'm really thinking that we're moving in a direction of like, this is going to be something that I think not a lot of people were expecting. So that's my big hope. You know, I don't know after this is recorded, it could really be like, what are women doing? But I think in the next two years, we're going to see something like awesome. So well said. And that's like whipping out your black belt and just being like, okay, we're here and we're ready to serve. And I feel like that's just such a wonderful tie into the whole premise of this podcast and to hear from you Chanel and I think you've already alluded to this so many times and just your very being how you really operate and and manifest your own feminine genius but if you're able to share with us uh, you know just one more time in terms of your own life the work that you're doing and the different sparks that you have going off inside of you from the Holy Spirit um, how you've seen Mm. your own feminine genius flourish. Mm, Thank you for asking. I think, I mean, it's so interesting. I mean, and you'd probably be able to understand it as a woman, but it's just so interesting, like the feeling as a woman that I have when I, I mean, women are multifaceted, Mm -hmm. right? We're not like monolithic. So women are different. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to feel not all women are super outwardly empathetic. Not all women are very adventurous. Not women are, you know, introverted, extrovert, whatever. But I think inside of ourselves, we have inclinations of empathy and compassion. And we really suffer with people. Mm. Like we, we suffer with people in the same way that mm. Mary suffered with Jesus. Like we have that compassion that exists inside of us that is amazing. And it's so hard to describe. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, my sister, who's like the complete opposite personality type of me, I would even say she feels the same way, right? So there's that difference of women that operate in different ways, maybe outwardly, but inwardly, I think for me, the way that my feminine genius responds is just like how I'm able to be compassionate Mm -hmm. And then that drives me forward to do things. So in a lot of ways that I don't see, I haven't seen, and maybe there are men that kind of meet from that feeling. Mm -hmm. Men might meet from a more logical, like brain standpoint, which is fine, or they might meet from a different feeling. But I think for me, the compassion that I feel and the idea that I'd like to suffer with people Mm. and I'd like to walk with them in their experiences drives me forward to want to create 
a different environment and a change in whatever I kind of see is wrong or needs to be fixed or needs to be more dialogued or whatever. Um, that's kind of how I've seen myself operating, whether it's with, you know, our brothers and sisters in the Middle East or our brothers and sisters here in America, you know, Latino brothers, like whatever it is, our indigenous friends, like I, there are so many things that I think have happened and continue to happen that make me want to be passionate and suffer with people that makes me think this is going to be something that we need to do. And it just needs to be done. I don't know. I mean, and it's just like amazing that feeling. And I, and I think I reflect on that a lot actually with, especially with Mary suffering alongside Jesus and that not being something that made her weak or sensitive, Mm -hmm. like the ability to suffer with someone and to be compassionate is like an extraordinary gift that so many women have that we feel just innately, like we'll just feel it. And I think that that drives me forward to want to do a lot of things and and, and hopefully, you know, participate in the church and in the world in the way that like God wants. And if on my last dying breath, God was like, you did all right, then that's enough <laughs> for me. And if he's like, you were compassionate with that one person, then that's great. I'm just excited to be able to use that part of myself that is compassionate, but also strong and, you know, and not someone that is being molded to be pushover or whatever. And um, I'm just excited to kind of see how that manifests and what that looks like. And so I think all of us have that same capacity. I think for me, that's just how I've been responding. Mm. So beautiful. And I am appreciative and appreciate, I think is too small of a word. Like there's just so much immense gratitude that I feel uh, whenever I hear women talking about that capacity to feel empathize and, and really expand our hearts for the other Mm. and it's so clear that in the different arenas that you operate in and the passions that you have it's it really is reaching out to the other to help them to grow and flourish so that we can all be united as one Um, so Chanel thank you so much for your time for just inspiring me and for all those listening truly is a gift to be with you today and Chanel would you be able to lead us in a closing prayer yes totally Okay. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Lord, so much for Rachel. Thank you for her ministry. I'd like to pray in a special way for everyone listening. God, please enliven their hearts and give them a heart that's full of compassion. We'd like to pray that we practice true human fraternity and that we love one another. Mary, you're the greatest model of love and compassion. We ask that you put your mantle over us as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Chanel. Thank you so much. Thank you to Chanel Shaw for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast today. You can follow Chanel on Instagram at Chanel underscore K. And be sure to check out the Human Condition Community and Before Gethsemane Initiative. Last but not least, tune in to hear Chanel as the host of the podcast Ave Spotlight wherever you listen to your podcasts. I've left links to all of these in the episode description and the show notes. 
You can learn more about the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other platforms. All this information can be found on our home on the web, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless you always.